0: Chris loves that spanking line. All right, he it's what like you it. need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe, good times.
1: Greg, what do you got? Uh, so the Sacramento Kings lost last night to the Charlotte Hornets after they were up 123 to 115 with just over a minute left to play. They ended up losing 127 to 126. George, what do you have to say about the Sacramento Kings? What I'll say is this, okay? It was act- Luke Walton was actually
0: trending yesterday <laughs> after this loss. Um, look, you can make the case that Magic Johnson may not have been a great executive, okay? I, listen, I love Magic Johnson. I think that Magic Johnson is one of the top four or five greatest players of all time, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, he wasn't... You're not great Here at everything. Here comes the
2: setup. This come, when you're compliment, compliment, compliment...
0: You're not... This, no, 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 th- wait, wait, hold on. You're not great at everything. However, if there's one thing that he got a million percent right when he was the executive of the Lakers was that he knew Luke Walton was not a good coach. And Luke Walton is not a good coach, man. Okay? I watch these Sacramento Kings games because I watch everybody. Okay? So I'm watching these games, and, man, like, at least when he was with the Lakers, you could say, ah, it's his first job, whatever. Like, you know, you're going to make rookie coach mistakes. He's making the same damn mistakes he was making here with the Lakers. And this team isn't as good as those Lakers teams um, with those young kids he's just not a head coach. Some guys are just not head coaching material, and Luke Walton is in that category.
2: You know, it's um, just on this Luke Walton story. So I didn't get to see what happened last night uh, with Sacramento and New Orleans. I didn't see it. Um, but I, I don't like to hear this, you know, I, I mean, I want Luke Walton to succeed. I want him to be good. You know, um, I feel like we got to see his whole career, you know, grow up from Arizona to the Lakers and then going from playing into coaching. And I think George, when you look at like Sean McVay, every assistant coach, it seems gets picked off, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, they, they become head coaches. You come to work for Sean McVay for a year, maybe two, boom. You're like almost guaranteed a head coach, head coaching job. I feel like Luke Walton, people feel like, well, he played for Phil. Um, He was sitting right next to Steve Kerr on those same teams that we were just talking about. So he's got to know what he's doing. He's got to be a head coach. And you're telling me he's not a good head coach. What part of last night, because I do know you watch, because as much as you you talk about me taking selfies, I see you taking selfies on Instagram, watching every NBA basketball game there is. What happened in that game? How did Sacramento fall apart like that? And why is it the coach's fault?
0: Um, because they're the worst defensive team in the in NBA history, and that's not even hyperbole. Like that is literally like the the numbers will bear that out. And I just think Luke was never a good defensive coach, even here. Like you know what I mean? Like it just the lakers defense i felt at times like his last year they were middle of the pack but they were always bottom of the barrel greg right they were in the 3 years he was here only that last year were they middle of the pack um because the and that was because lebron was here but the two previous years i want to say they were like 28th and like 29th or 28th and 30th
1: i try not to think about those years because they were terrible offensively and defensively so yeah luke Walton was not a good coach i well, want to ask, ask you this. let me just let me ask you guys
2: both fast. let me just ask you guys both this question real quick is could could Luke Walton be a good coach if he had really good players? In other words, he had if LeBron. Luke Wal- yeah. Okay, but for a year when LeBron was hurt, no.
0: Right, but I mean they weren't even that good even when he had LeBron.
2: Okay, but I'm just asking, like if if Luke Walton was the coach of this team, this Lakers team.
1: No. Yes, he went to, he went 25 and two with the with the Warriors when they had that amazing team. Right. Like, ever since but- then. But he's not you're not winning a championship with Luke Walton as your head coach if
0: that's what you're asking me.
2: You mean to tell me that Luke 25 Walton 25 and 2 in
0: the regular season in the in the playoffs you have to actually know how to scheme things man. Like yes.
2: Okay. They're so not Luke, winning a Luke, championship
0: with Luke Walton even with Anthony Davis and LeBron.
2: Okay. So Luke Walton Look, there's a reason Magic Johnson
0: this. wanted him gone, okay? And I'm I'm pretty sure even though that was never public, I'm sure LeBron was like what is this?
2: Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I can't see that. I'm just uh I'm just wondering you know, and I like Luke personally. This isn't personal. This
0: is just we have a sample size here now.
2: Yeah. Okay? Well, he's got. He's been on. He's he's coached two teams. One yeah. was LeBron Laker team when LeBron was not LeBron, and the other is Sacramento where nobody wins.
0: Um, yeah. Well, he just dude. Just some guy. look. Sacramento has enough talent to be better than this, is what I would say.
2: I'm just rooting for the guy. That's all. I'm just. rooting I know for that. The ball. I know
0: that your boy, uh, you know, is like a minority partner there and all that. But you tell him to get rid of Luke. And be well, a real coach.
2: And by the way, but I mean, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a, listen, I've been longtime friends with Big Bill, with dad, and I've been uh, watching Luke his whole life. I, sure. And I, I'm just rooting again, for a success. this isn't personal.
0: This is just business.
2: Just rooting for a success. That's all I'm telling yeah.
0: you. I'm rooting for everyone's success. I'm done now. I'm off the Luke Walton bandwagon is what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. That's what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good time. Let's go to Joey. Joey on the 605. Joey, what's up?
2: Joey. Hey, freaking Joey over here. What's going on, Joey? We're All right, curious. no Joey. We lost no Joey. Joey. No Joey. All
0: right. JoJo in Cerritos wants to uh, talk about the vaccine. What's up, JoJo?
3: Hey, guys. Love the show. Uh, you know, when it comes to the vaccine distribution, honestly, like you said, if you're in the uh, in, in the area, just capitalize off of it because we're trying to get everybody as vaccinated as much as possible. Uh, I work at Kaiser over in Downey and you know we're one of the worst uh Kaisers in the in the southern california region and we want everybody to get vaccinated to so get to get over this damn thing
2: yeah i know tell me about it like i got a couple of friends of mine that are like people that are like i'm not getting it i don't need it i'm not getting it i'm like well oh, dude really honestly like you should think about it's bigger than you it's not just about you and they're like no 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 cuz other people will get vaccinated and i'm young and healthy and i'll never have to put that in my body and then i know other people that are like i just don't trust it i don't believe in it me i'm like dude um, if I'm in a CVS and they go over the, the PA and they go, Hey, yo, we got eight extra vaccines. You either take them now or we throw them in the garbage. I'm like, here's my arm, put it in. Although George, I would like to get the J and J one shot deal. Cause I've had a lot of friends that have gotten the two shots. And on the second shot, they got like two days of really not feeling very yeah, good.
0: feverish and all that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My father-in-law who's an elderly person, uh, had that though. My mother-in-law did not have that reaction. Um, and she got the Moderna vaccine. Um, they got the same ones. And uh, she felt fine. And he got a little bit of the fever chills and all that stuff for a day. My mom got the two Pfizer's and nothing. She was good to go the whole way.
2: My parents uh, also got the two shot deal and neither of them experienced any sorts of issues. Yeah. Waited in a park for five hours like wow. parked, like imagine being on the yeah. freeway when yeah. there's an accident and you can't move for five they waited in their car in a park for five hours till they could pull up and get the shot so they yeah. got it so i'm glad about that so
0: let me ask you this laura i'll ask you if you're at a cvs and they say hey we got eight doses here um you know we're gonna throw them away because we got to throw them away at this stage if if someone doesn't take them um would you feel bad about taking it no no, yeah, because I that's the reality of the situation,
2: right? You know Mason felt so guilty, like he had cut the line, like there were a bunch of eighty-five-year-old no, ladies in didn't, front of him. He
0: didn't cut the line. He did anything. He, he won didn't.
2: the lottery, right?
0: Exactly. That's right. Yeah, correct. Right. for him.
1: Yeah, I would get it, and I wouldn't feel bad about it at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it just—it's a again—you—you you bought a lottery ticket by accident, mm-hmm. and it just—or you—you—you you literally looked on the floor and saw twenty bucks or hundred bucks or whatever, and, that, and you're just like, all right, I'm gonna pick it up, right? It's not a wallet? It's a cash, right? So, that's what it is. That's what happened.
2: Congrats uh, Mace. Maybe you'll finally uh come out of your hibernation, dude.
0: Yeah. Maybe. I mean, right, there's somebody one, very one smart
2: move. on the phone. There's 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 a lot of smart. Well, people I got break to break because Chris end.
0: Morales has challenged me and I'm going to punch him in the face when I see him whenever we both get the vaccine. But I'm going to break <laughs> because he has challenged me. We're going to take a break. We're going to get into more on these calls at eight, seven, 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 10 ESPN. Would you feel bad about the vaccine if it happened to you like it happened to Mace? Uh, we'll continue this discussion on the Curry thing and his comments. Um, plus, um, Kyle Kuzma with an interesting shout out for LeBron. We'll have that coming up. Trevor Bauer also made some news.
4: Again, try Jets signature eight corner pizza and get $5 off with code eight save. That's the number eight S A V E Jets pizza better because it has to be.
0: If I stand up, I'm going (laughs) to go and drive to orange County, and kick your ass. Chris Morales. That's what I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) do.
2: It's true though, George, it's true. Like, I don't know about everybody else in their real lives. And like people are working from home, obviously. And, um, I find that I sit in a chair behind a desk for hours and hours. Like, when I see my iPhone report at the end of the week and they tell me that my phone, you know, I'm using it seven hours a day, I'm like, oh, my God, really? If I, if I looked at my iWatch or whatever, my Apple Watch, if it told me how long I sit, I sit all freaking day. My girlfriend, Rachel, George, got me for my birthday mm-hmm. one of these stand-up desk things. Have you, ever, you seen these things, right? Like, one yeah. thing's for your keyboard. you got computers. i got mm-hmm. my microphone. We have them she, in the office. And then she got me. This is the smartest thing. I would, I'm way just understand something. I am way too cheap to ever buy this stuff for myself. I'd rather have back pain. I'd rather have other problems associated with sitting all day than buy a stand up desk. And, George, one of these like rubber mat things that you stand on, you yeah. stretch in your hamstrings, right. your your calves, yeah. my feet. It's like I got golf balls underneath the arches of my feet. I yeah. feel freaking great today, Morales. Uh,
0: okay, cool. Yeah, I, uh, I think at ESPN they have the option um, of allowing your desk to be a, have a stand-up component to it. So, because uh, you know Disney's nice that way, and we have like these ergonomically great chairs and and all that stuff in the in the studio and in the buildings. So, so yeah, I mean that stuff is good for you. You should you know, especially as you age, Kaplan. You know, those things are, are things you should take into account. You know.
2: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm not really sure I am aging. You know.
0: Are you on like, HGH or something?
2: Not on HGH, but I am on a very consistent uh, routine of testosterone. Oh, my. Oh, you're on a drip? Oh, dude. Whew. This thing will change your life, man. I'm telling you that right now. When you take that testosterone you leave that doctor's office, man, you'll run headfirst right through a brick wall. I mean, yeah. it is just instant energy. Yeah. I bet. You'll find out. You'll find out. I mean. A couple right. more years. You'll find out.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying, listen, whatever you got to do. You know what I mean? Um, let's go to the phones. We got people holding on patiently real quick though. Kyle Kuzma tweeted about LeBron's defense says he should be defensive first team. Um, and you and I were talking before the show and you were, you, you were kind of surprised by his tweet. Weren't you?
2: I just feel like, is there ever a time where everybody's just not sucking up to LeBron? It's like his teammates have to put out that he should be on the all defensive team. Don't we all already think that?
0: Um, But he hasn't been in a really long time.
2: Okay, 2014. I I guess Kyle Kuzma's endorsement is probably going to change that. Then
0: no, but he has been playing great defense this year.
2: Well, yeah, he's been playing great.
0: He's not. He was actually he played great defense last year. I thought too, and didn't make the team.
2: I don't really understand how LeBron doesn't make any of these teams. Every team should just be LeBron and then add four guys.
1: (laughs) Well, George knows about this. Like George doesn't. LeBron usually wait till the end of the year to, like, March, April, and then right, start but playing not, Right, well, he did that
0: in Cleveland, um, right. he, and that was the – and, again, that's why 2014 was the last year. But last year, he was balling out playing defense from the beginning of the season last year when Anthony Davis came. So, it was surprising he didn't make it last year. And he has been – like, he, tore, he turned the clock back the last couple of games specifically where – In the Portland game, opponents shot 2 of 11 against them, only 18%. And yesterday, he was all over the floor getting steals, blocks, or whatever. Like, it would look like 2013, LeBron, for a minute. Well,
2: I really loved what Frank Vogel said earlier today. And for anybody that wasn't with us at 4.15 in the afternoon, I would highly encourage you to go back and find our interview with Vogel on our podcast. Wait, wait, we're going to
0: replay that at 6.30, actually. Oh, we are.
2: Okay, great. That's good.
0: So, in like, uh... In like less than 10 minutes, we're going to perfect.
2: Run perfect. Because one of the things we talk about with Frank Vogel, and I'm just going to give you a little preview here, is what it is to try and convince LeBron to sit, to rest. And and Frank talks about, you know, collaborating rather than demanding, you know? And I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. It is, yeah. I mean, it, it is a group effort. And he mentioned Mike Mancias, who's been one of LeBron's longtime trainers and whatnot. Yeah, it, it is. It is a group effort in regards to LeBron's team and the team, yeah, sure, but right. LeBron's team knows his body because they've been with him for so long
2: yeah and and LeBron, for all the talk about how much he should be playing or shouldn't playing this new phrase that we came up with this year, load management, it's like social distancing like when where did that come from?
0: No,, and that had come up this year, that's been around for a minute. Just,
2: it's just like a pitch count, you know I mean it's just it's I mean that was these... uh Greg Popovich started that stuff, no. Well. Look, all I'm saying to you is I like what Frank Vogel said, which is if LeBron is telling us he can and wants to, then that's what he does. Right. And, and, and that's we'll, what we accept.
0: We'll, we'll hear we'll hear from Frank Vogel again in uh, about eight minutes. Uh, if you missed it earlier, he was great. We had fun with him. We talked to him about dancing, like Sean McVay. What else did we talk to him? Uh, we talked to him about high school sports because he's Dude, got his, some, uh, some daughters yeah. playing high school sports right. in the South Bay. And uh, we talked, obviously, Lakers basketball with him. So we got a lot of stuff with him coming up in a second. Um, you know, you mentioned just kind of playing and resting and aging and all that. Um, is Drew Brees not retiring? I know you're, you, you know him a little bit. Like, like, I saw him working out and pushing, like, all sorts of weights and doing, like, these crazy, you know, workouts and whatnot. Like, that dude isn't going to try to come back and play, is he?
2: Okay, so I do think Drew Brees will come back and try and play. Why? Uh, here's why okay okay this is this is exactly like the conversation we were just having where you were absolutely guaranteeing me that everything you were saying about the way lebron accept things from steph curry is absolutely 100 percent fact and there's no other way to look at it mm-hmm. the thing about breeze is this breeze you talk about hyper competitive people breeze looks at tom brady and he says but he's two years older than i am and you know what I've got 80 plus thousand passing yards in my career. And when I show up in somebody else's locker room, they'll all follow my lead too. But Mm -hmm. the thing that Breeze doesn't have that Brady has is those six rings that when he comes to a new team and Brady says to everybody, follow my lead, and everybody goes, okay, Tom, whatever you say, Breeze has credibility, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't have Brady credibility. The thing about Breeze is this when jay glazer of fox sports shout out jay i'm sure you're out there listening when jay glazer reported that breeze was done with the saints i didn't hear him say he was retiring i heard him say he's done with the saints if you're the saints You haven't won a Super Bowl in 12 years. It's kind of time to move on from Drew Brees. But if you're Drew Brees, you may not want to be done. And the video that everybody's been talking about today, it's not for me the way he's working out, the intensity with which he's working out. It's the whole social media setup of, hey, Drew, for anybody who hasn't seen it, Brees is pushing this sled with weights. And the trainer, his name's Todd Durkin, is yelling, Drew, come back, come back. And Drew's going further than he's ever gone. And he's running for longer than he's ever run. Super orchestrated. Integrated. right, right yes. that's my point super yeah. choreographed orchestrated which to me george is a setup for i'm not done
0: yeah and that's if that's the case i mean i guess good for him but his noodle arm isn't going to necessarily help him throw the football you know anymore
2: noodle arm lots of injuries um you know i don't know if if drew Brees can come back and but I, i'll tell you this um the saints probably are are kind of done you know and Brees would have to find somebody that's, like Brady found Tampa Bay, kind of Super Bowl ready.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign Drew Breeze. I don't think he's got anything left in the tank, to be honest with you. But, all right, Frank Vogel's got tons in the tank. We spoke to him earlier. If you missed it, it's, it was fun. Uh, we talked to basketball. We had some fun with him. He's going to join us in three and a half minutes. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. LZ out today, the head coach of your world champion Los Angeles Lakers, friend of the program Frank Vogel joins us now here. Uh, Frank, I-, I was I was just telling the guys that uh, you know it's a good game for you when you don't have to talk to me in the third quarter. Hell, you wouldn't have had to have talked to me in the first quarter yesterday.
3: That's always the plan with these national televised games. Like, if we could just get up 30 by the end of the third, then I don't have to do that in-game interview, and, and everything's just easier that way. <laughs> how,
0: how much do you hate talking to us in that c- scenario? And I know you're a nice guy, so you 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 will do whatever it takes to do whatever, you know, the league wants and, and the partners want. But I know you guys hate talking to us in the middle of a game.
3: Uh, it's... Uh... It's good for the big picture, right? It's good for the game, you know. It's good for the fans to have that that type of access. But, you know, obviously, when you're in that moment and uh, you know the quarter comes to a close, all you're thinking about is your rotations and what sets you want to run. To come out to start the fourth, and uh, you're just thinking about winning the game. So it is it is a little bit of a distraction. But you know, again, you just uh, keep the big picture in mind. Just part of what- the job.
0: The funny thing is I always end up – it doesn't it, – sometimes it happens with you. But it feels like my biggest nightmare, and it happens regularly, is like your team is up, and then all of a sudden you blow a lead, and now you're like trailing or it's tied, and I got to deal with an upset version of you or whoever is, is coaching in that scenario. I feel like that happens all the time. So if it happens again when it's you and me, just be aware I didn't do that, okay?
3: That, that was your team who did that. I'm gonna take it out on you, George. I'm gonna go straight, close Popovich on you next time. You know, we lose a lead, and, and you're you're right in front of me like that. Listen,
0: I got Popovich to crack a couple of years ago and laugh. Okay, that is a rare occurrence. So, uh, but Scott, can you ask Frank what we were talking about with Sean McVay the other day? We were talking about dancing, uh, Coach Vogel. So I, I want Scott to ask you the question that we posed to McVay.
2: Well, Coach, good afternoon. It's great to talk to you for the first time. How are you today?
3: Good, Scott. How are you
2: doing? Doing really great, Coach. Thank you very much. So, yeah, so Raheem Morris is the new defensive coordinator of the Rams. He came on the air. He told us Sean McVay is a great dancer. We bring Sean on. He tells us a couple of vodkas. He's a great dancer. We asked the question, if you could dance, what do you say? Uh, a
3: couple of beers. I'm a good dancer. There we go. Same answer. <laughs> yeah, same answer. You know, if, uh, if I'm at a wedding or something like that, yeah, I'll, I'll bust and miss some moves. But I'm not a great dancer overall, no.
2: No,
0: I wedding mean, dancer listen, though. Wedding When you dancer. won, when you won the championship, did you get down a little bit?
3: No, no, we were oh, yeah. in a bubble. There's no party. We had a you know a little restaurant. That's it. <laughs> there was no major <laughs> celebration.
2: <laughs> well, coach, let me ask you this. So let me jump right into it because what I'm curious about is this: when Anthony Davis goes out, and you guys now know it's going to be a while, do you have to sit down with the assistant coaches and kind of go back to the drawing board of? well, what do we do, how do we adjust, what do we have, and how do we go about winning games? I mean, can you just talk us through what happens on the realization that Anthony Davis isn't going to be with you for a while and then having to make changes to the lineup?
3: Yeah, well, that's uh, that's exactly what you do. You know, you have to adjust. Um, you have a, a few different ways you can go with your with your lineups and, you know, your style of play and whatnot. And um, the number one thing that comes to mind, obviously, is is making sure that, you know, we don't put too much of it on, on LeBron or on any one player, you know, to try to pick up the slack. You know, it's got to be a team effort. Um, but you do go through the, you know, the different scenarios you can do. You can go with uh, with your starting lineup and how you're going to use your rotation and what, you know, how, how guys' roles are going to change. So um, we came out of the gates with one way. We lost a few in a row. We, we shifted and, um, you know, we got we got beaten at that Utah game. But um, the last two have been pretty good.
2: All right. All um- right frank as far as like making these changes to the lineup and and you know hey here's a starting rotation things aren't going so well let's start over here and see what we got um is it remotely predictable at all well
3: sure i mean you know you, you have a way that you think you can win and um you know when you see it play out on the floor you know you see some some areas that uh present problems you know one of the problems I, I felt like with the first first three games is we were playing a nine-man rotation and i felt like i wanted to go a little deeper than that you know so um you know that's that's what the the shift in the starting lineup really triggered is, is trying to go one more deep so you know hopefully uh we we're shooting the ball so poorly you know so hopefully you know getting another guy in there and, and shrinking guys minutes a little bit and the rotations down a little bit uh would just help us to, uh, stay a little more fresh than, than we looked in some of those games
0: Frank Vogel, the head coach of your world champion Los Angeles Lakers with us here on 710 ESPN. So, obviously, having Schroeder has been a huge lift for you guys. Um, but I noticed yesterday you were staggering him and LeBron some. Um, what went into that, Frank?
3: Yeah, it was just a, it was a game one uh, plan with Dennis coming back where, um, you know, obviously, we've been struggling with the lineups when LeBron's out of the game. And, uh, you know, obviously, using Dennis, uh, in those in those minutes uh, would be beneficial. But at the same time, he, he hadn't been on of court for a week or so. So we were concerned about his legs and conditioning. So you know, the coaching staff and I just discussed potentially using a, a short first uh, sub for him, for Dennis. You know, get him out of there before the seven-minute mark and then bring him back for LeBron, you know, so he can be fresh uh, in those minutes when LeBron's out. And, um, you know, the first two games we've done that, it's, it's looked pretty good. Um, so we'll probably stick with it
2: for now. Coach, I want to ask you about LeBron and minutes, you know, when the losing streak was happening, the one thing people were saying was LeBron's playing too much. And my question is, you know, can you sit him? I mean, what what goes into his playing or not playing? Do you guys talk about it before games? I'm just curious because it's got to be kind of a weird position. Like, dude, I think you need to sit, but he says, I don't want to sit.
3: No, it's a, it's a group decision, you know what I mean? Like, if, if we feel like he, he needs to sit and, you know, we can uh, talk to him and, and talk to the medical team and all come up with a group decision that we all agree with, um, you know, then that can be the right right thing to do. But if he's feeling well and wants to play, uh, we're going to have him out there. And, um, you know, we trust him. He knows his body more than anyone. Uh, Mike and the medical team, knows his body more than anyone. And uh, if there's a reason to sit, he'll sit. But if there's not, then, then we expect him to, you know, he he wants to be in there. And uh, we're going to welcome him being in there. And I, I just think it's such a great example for, uh, you know, not only the rest of his teammates, but, you know, I think the younger generation, you know, uh, of this league, um, you know, as you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of teams move towards guys sitting out and missing a lot of games, you know, I just think that's such a great example. So uh, we make these decisions as a group. Um, he's always open-minded to hear everyone's perspective uh as are we uh, to hear his perspective and um like I said we make these decisions as a group
0: Frank All Vogel right. j- joining us here go ahead Scott I'm sorry
2: well uh, Frank I think it's really super interesting to hear you talk about that because I think a lot of us have a perception like you just can't tell them what to do or when to sit but it sounds like it's a, a collaboration amongst the entire team
3: no it, it absolutely is you know and um we've had a great partnership you know I, I think since since LeBron's been here uh, beginning with with uh Rob Poink and Kurt Rambis and LeBron and then uh myself and my coaching staff since we got here to just talk these things out and see what makes sense and um you know when you collaborate and you make group decisions uh usually you're you're moving things in the right direction and and you're making pretty smart decisions with things so um you know it's a great process that's worked for us this far, and we'll continue to do so
0: Frank, you've won two in a row since the the four game losing streak, the jazz game though like. How do you how do you deal with that after? Do you just throw that one away? Do you do you put yourself through the misery of watching it again as a group? Like how does that work?
3: You know, if we uh, if we had practice scheduled, uh, we would have watched it as a group and just looked at at ways we could have been better. You know, we we always remove the result of the game from our film sessions. You know, like let's just look at uh, you know sort of what happened. Look at how how well we executed our habits. You know, some things tactically we could do differently. And, and let's try to grow from this game, regardless of whether we, we won, we lost, uh, we won big, we lost big. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, this was a, a situation where after the overtime game and traveling, I felt like our team was fatigued. Uh, so I gave them off the next day uh, and, and, the, and the next morning off of, uh, you know, leading into the Portland game uh, to try to just come into that game as, as fresh as possible with our minds and, and with our bodies. And, um, you know, all we really said about that, that Utah game is we, we sucked last game. Let's put it behind us, and let's beat, beat Portland. And, um, you know, sometimes that's the right approach. Sometimes it's not. But uh, that's what we did in that game, and we were able to get, get the job done versus the Blazers. Can,
0: can can you give me uh, see? I, I'm gonna play. We're gonna do a little role play here because I didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday in game. But my guy Dave Pash got the greatest answer from you in that Portland game in the third quarter, <laughs> and I'm gonna. I want you to recreate that. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. All right. I, I I'm I'm Dave Pash and Frank Vogel, Lakers head coach. With us here, you know Frank. Portland is. Uh, you know you've taken the lead here in this situation. What's the key to winning the game uh, the rest of the way here? Oh no.
3: Yeah, I think you said, what's the key to winning the fourth quarter? And, I, you know, my answer was simple. I should have pulled down my mask to show a smile because, like, you know, with the mask, you don't really get to show your true emotions. So, you know, it was said in jest, but we got, we got to slow down Dame Dollar. That's that's what it comes out. We know he's going to have the ball. So that's the yeah, guy we got to slow down. And I, and I, <laughs> I loved an obvious, it. I was right?
0: – I was sitting on my couch howling of laughter. They were, too, on the broadcast because of, what, of the way you said it. Now, you didn't have to take the mask off because I could just tell with the way your face moved and your eyes moved that you were you were having a ball with that. But you were right, but also you nailed it. Like, that to me, I want that. I want you to give everybody's nickname every time you do that. Like, I feel like that could be
2: your move.
3: Well, it was almost like, hey, let's, let's face the obvious here. You got to slow down that guy. Right. Period. Hey,
2: Frank, uh, let me let me talk to you about something that's non-laker, non-basketball. you ready? Okay. All right. Uh, George told me because I've been a big proponent of the Let them Play California movement and happy to see that high school sports are coming back. George tells me you have some high school athletes in the family, is that right? I, I do. Yes. Can we hear a little bit more about who, what they play, et cetera?
3: Yeah, I, I have two daughters uh, that play soccer and one potentially playing lacrosse um, you know at uh, at our local high school. And, um, you know, they've been out all year and, you know, they're, they're just now talking about, we actually have a meeting tomorrow night um, about the resumption of play and what that's all going to look like. So, you know, we're, we're really excited about it. Uh, I think it's long overdue and, um, you know, I'll be excited to see uh, to be able to go and watch some soccer games hopefully soon.
2: How old are the girls and what grades are they
3: in? I uh, have a junior and, and, and freshman. Okay. So gotcha. 17, this turned 17 and
2: 14. And are they club soccer players as well or high school players?
3: Well, yeah, they both play club, but you know, the way, you know, with the pandemic, there's always, you know, certain restrictions. And, um, you know, I think they're going to be put in a position where they have to choose one or the other, you know, because obviously you don't want to, uh, you know, your, your athletes playing with a certain group of players, you know, and potentially being exposed to the virus and then bringing that back to your, you know, your team group. So, you know, there's some restrictions there, some tough decisions, and um, that's kind of what we're going through in our household right now.
2: Oh, dude, I know, man. I've been there, well, not through the pandemic, but I've had a daughter who played high school soccer, club soccer, went on to play college soccer, and just, I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. Like, I thought, oh, my God, I've got three daughters. I need to have a boy to play some sports. But I'm telling you, watching your girls play sports, I, I mean, it was like my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do. I don't know how much you must love it as well, but um, and especially going from yeah. coach to, to father and fan.
3: Yeah, I don't miss I don't miss a game if I'm in town or if I can be there. I'm going to be there, and you know it's been that way since they were you know, four and six years old. You know, uh, it is just one of the most enjoyable things in my life, and something I miss very dearly.
0: Frank Vogel, with us here. Last thing before we let you go, we were making fun of Scott because he, um, he 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 occasionally takes uh, one too many selfies for my liking, personally. That is not um, true, Coach. That is yeah, not it, true. It is. It's fine, it's not he true, Coach. Won't, he, he won't admit it. It's fine. You know, it's okay. Uh, Frank Vogel, ever are you a selfie guy at all or no?
3: I would say minimally. You know, okay. I think like if I'm in a place, uh, you know, where I want to, you know, send a, a picture to my wife and daughters of, hey, look where I'm at. I might take a selfie in, in those situations. Right. Um, I do. I do take. You know, when when I'm taking pictures of my myself and my daughters, uh, or myself, and my wife, I, I do think the selfie is uh, is, is more appropriate than you're handing your phone to somebody to take your picture. Especially now, right?
2: Yeah, that, totally. That's
3: the right way to do it.
2: Very effective. And, and
3: I'd also I'll throw this two cents into the selfie that nobody does autographs anymore. There's no autographs,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right? The, the modern day autograph is is can I get a picture with you? So. Right. You know, you get selfies in those situations. Of course, pre pre pandemic. Right now, it's like let's be, you know, stand six, six feet apart. <laughs> if you want my picture, you stand over there. The camera taker, the picture taker, stands over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those types of things. So, dude, it's funny because I was at
0: the airport doing a game, doing your game in the preseason against against Phoenix, and I ran into Charles Barkley. And even with a mask on, six, he didn't even care about six feet. People were asking him, he'd still do it. Uh, I was like, Charles, you're a better man than me, bro. I am not. I am not pulling that off. But good lord, but yeah, I, I am. I am with you there, Coach. Yeah. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you for making time for us. Best of luck, continued success, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line soon. We appreciate it.
3: All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. All
0: right, that's Frank Vogel, the head coach of your Los Angeles Lakers. All right, coming up next, we got to talk about something that happened on the post game yesterday with our boy Sliwa. We got called out, Kaplan. We got called out, so By we're gonna Sliwa? have that. Yeah, no. No, but we got called out, and I'm going to explain in a second what that's all about, plus this Canelo fight, which is a joke. We got to talk about that, too. All right, all coming up in two and a half minutes. Well, actually, less. It's coming up in a minute. You know, Rocky Four. I uh, <laughs> I read this article one time, and and <laughs> it was pretty funny. It talked about how Rocky Four, even though I do love it, um, my childhood memories of watching it are are just hilarious too. But uh, you know, it's like thirty three percent, or like maybe more than that, maybe thirty five percent of it is basically a musical montage. You know that, right? What do you mean? Like it's this. Like it's just
2: oh oh, like like Rocky's working out in Siberia, and it's just right. music.
0: Or in this scene where he's in the Ferrari driving, thinking about Drago killing Apollo and, mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff. Yeah, like thir- over a third of the movie is just a music montage.
2: That's funny. I had no idea that that was the case. Next
0: time you watch the movie or it pops yeah. up, um, just think about that. And every time one of these scenes come up where they do the music montage, you're going to laugh because it happens way more than you think.
2: I think that the last Rocky movie that I saw was this one with Drago when he kills Apollo Creed. How many other Rocky movies since this one have there been?
0: They did the Tommy Morrison one, which was terrible. Oh, okay. I saw that
2: one. I saw that one. After this. My bad.
0: And then then they stopped doing Rocky movies, like in theory, sort of. So they did... um, Rocky Balboa after that, which wasn't bad, I thought. Um, it was basically him coming out of retirement to fight an exhibition fight with uh, a, the character's name uh, was Mason the Line Dixon, okay? Like, that oh, was goodness. the which is such a great boxing name, uh, to be honest with you. It really was just fantastic. Antonio Torver was the boxer who played Mason the Line Dixon, um, so really well done there, and then then they started the Creed movies after that, which were all fantastic. I thought
2: I haven't seen them, and you know me, I'm not like much of a movie goer. Yeah, um, but yeah, and I feel bad about it because I love the Rocky series, but I haven't seen the Creed films. I need to see them. I need to catch Creed off. movies
0: are excellent. Creed movies are excellent.
2: Hey, speaking of boxing, let me ask you a question. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, we talked about that fight, and I'm trying to remember the guys' names because it was a big upset. And the guy who, yeah, Valdez
0: not, and Burchell. Yeah. Valdez.
2: Valdez landed that just insane knockout punch. Mm-hmm. I thought the fight was going to be over in the second or third round. Right. Did anybody stop what they were doing on Saturday night to watch Canelo Alvarez on an app called the Zone? And I don't want to make it sound like nobody's ever heard of the Zone before because. If you want to see Canelo fight, that's where you have to go. But did you stop what you were doing in your life on Saturday night to watch Canelo fight, George? Did I what? Did you watch?
0: Did you stop? Yo, oh, no, no, doing? I did watch it. Yeah, all three rounds of that garbage. It was a joke. It was awful, yes.
2: Okay, so I this was like one where I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this on Twitter. I'm going to see this on Twitter. I don't expect this to last long. I'm trying to remember the exact odds, but you had to bet like, I don't know, like, like 25 grand. It was to, ridiculous. To win $100 on Alvarez. And I was thinking, I'll bet against Canelo, because I told you this last week. You know, he plays so much golf that I wonder when he actually trains. But he's fighting these nobodies, he's knocking them out. And what it looks like to me is he signed like this $300 million 10 fight deal with this company to zone. And the sooner he gets all these fights out of the way, the sooner he can get out of that contract and go make a lot more money. So it seems like he's loading up fights against nobodies just to get these fights, you know, check the boxes because it was yeah. not a great fight. I mean, no, it was know, awful. The-
0: and, and, and I I tweeted out immediately, like, this is the best fight they can find Canelo. And, and, you know, I get the Canelo fans. They were like, well, this is a mandatory fight. He had to fight. And I'm like, dude, I get it. But, you know, like, this is a real problem for him is like, who is he going to fight? Because there's not very many options for him.
2: Yeah, did you see at the end of the fight? This was great. There was a guy in the ring, and he had on behind Canelo, he had on a Jake Paul t-shirt. Do you know who he is? Uh,
0: Yeah, I know Jake Paul.
2: Okay, so for anybody who doesn't know him, he's like this obnoxious YouTube guy who, um, you know, he fought that guy. uh, Who was it, the former NBA player? Was it, um, oh gosh, I lost his name. Something, maybe was it Robinson? Who did he punch out and he knocked out? Nate Robinson. Nate Nate Robinson. Robinson, Thank you, there you go. So this guy, Jake Paul, he's a real instigator, you know? And he's an attention hound. And by the way, the guy's great at what he does, even though he might be a complete jerk. But he knows how to get, you know, people to click on his stuff. And he had a guy in the ring jumping up and down with a Jake Paul T-shirt. And did you see Canelo Alvarez? Hey, get the F out of here, man. What the F are you doing? And, like, where was security?
0: I mean, who knows, dude? You know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just... I mean, you, when you've got that kind of cash, I guess you. The people thought maybe he was part of his entourage. Who knows? You know, who knew? Whatever. I don't know. Like, you know I, I, I don't know that, but I did notice that, too. But I told I you, uh, that-
2: I, real quick, I told you my dad is a Florida State boxing inspector, yeah. right? And uh, my father told me that he was in Canelo's uh, dressing room before the fight. Canelo took over the entire Miami Dolphins locker room, George. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've been in this locker room before. It's yeah,
0: because yeah, the fight was at Hard Rock Stadium, which is right. the Dolphins Stadium. So
2: right. big ass play. I mean, the locker room for yeah. 65, 70 guys plus, you know, all the, the 120 people. Yeah. And Canelo and his entire entourage took over the entire place, you know, and jam packed. So he travels with a giant pack. He's a monster superstar. If he shows up in Mexico anywhere, it's like Michael Jackson just showed up, which is why he lives in San Diego. And um, listen, not exactly an exciting piece of content on Saturday night from Canelo Alvarez. No, it
0: was bad. It was terrible. And they have a real problem on their hands trying to figure out who's going to fight with him next. Um, So it it just is what it is. Um, Speaking of fighting, someone was picking a fight with us on the post-game show last night as I was driving home from the arena. There was a a gentleman who, who called in because of our panic meter discussion last week. We had several of them. Uh, in regards to the Lakers and their losing streak. Let me hear it. Let me hear what the gentleman said.
5: Squeeze in one more quick call. Deshaun in Moreno Valley. What's going on, Deshaun?
3: Hey, what's going on, Allen? Uh, first thing, I would love for you to call in to the Sedano, LZ, and Cap show. calm those guys down because they're ready to jump off a cliff over a few losses. Yeah,
5: we'll be but, fine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Leeward just dismissing us. And, you know, is that we'll be
2: fine. Right. Um, yeah. Well, shout out to Deshaun. And listen, Deshaun, let me just have a minute here to explain something to you. Yeah. I'm gonna live the emotional roller coaster. Right. There's gonna be a week where the Rams beat the Buccaneers and I'm gonna tell you on Monday they're going to the Super Bowl. Then there's gonna be a week where the Rams are gonna lose to the Jets and I'm gonna tell you that Sean McVay should be fired. Okay. This is the emotional roller coaster that I can't help myself. And so once you're on the roller coaster and the Lakers lose four games. Previous to that, my panic meter was at a five. Hey, no right. problem. LeBron will carry everybody. But then all of a sudden you lose four games, George, and my panic meter all of a sudden starts going up to like an eight, nine, and it's true. I almost flatlined. So, listen, I'm back. I'm good. They've won two straight games. LeBron looked great. Having Schroeder back has been amazing. Instant energy, and I'm back down to like a five. I'm good. Thank you. Okay, good. How about yeah. you?
0: I, I yeah, I'm I'm I was at a healthy six. And uh, you know, I, I uh, I'm probably back down to like a four and a half.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Easy. Yeah. Bergman, you uh you panicking at all, or uh, have the two wins kind of calmed you down too?
1: I've been stuck at a four the entire time. I'm staying right there.
2: What about Unique? What about our queen? She was at a seven point five on yeah. the very first panic meter of the season. Laura?
1: Um, I I went down.
0: I'm like at a six, five point yeah. five six.
2: Yeah, Greg is is flatlined
0: because he's you he, know he's worried about Trevor Bauer's first start right like in spring training like he's one of big those deal. people that that worries about Trevor Bauer's first start in spring training. He well, looked ah, great today. He looked great today. He gave him I mean, one hit. You know why? Because <laughs> he's great. <laughs> and it's only two innings. So there's that. <laughs> two innings of just
1: beautiful baseball
2: so you'll love this you ready so Bergman (laughs) and I are on the phone middle of the day today and he says um are you watching the Dodgers and I'm like what do you mean what what what, like a replay of last year's World Series what do you mean am I watching the Dodgers he's like no man spring training I'm like listen bro you'll have to excuse me okay but no I wasn't and so then he's like well why don't you check it out so I I turned it on I watched a little bit of this Dodger game and I'm convinced that there were two people two people Watching this Dodger game, George Sedano. It was and me. One of
0: them was you and the other was Greg Burke.
2: That's right. You got yeah. it. That's right.
0: Very, That's very
1: possible. But I this. love watching them. There's a lot going listen, on. Look-
0: I love spring training. Okay. Particularly on the weekends. I love throwing on a spring training game and just letting and just doing stuff around the house. I actually you can do that with baseball in general, regardless of whether it's spring training or the regular season. But spring training specifically, it's just nice to have on in the background. It's very calming. It's very relaxing. But I'm not like I'm not like Greg. I'm not sitting here taking notes about, you know, the four-seamer that uh, Trevor Bauer was (laughs) throwing. No, no,
2: no. That's not what Greg was taking notes about. No, Greg was taking notes today. Greg thinks of himself, and Greg, don't take this wrong, okay? I take everything wrong. Go ahead. I know, so that's why I'm preparing you. Don't take this wrong. Thank you. Greg really, really thinks of himself not as a fan. He really, really fancies himself as like a scout, you know? Like, he's very into – the battle at second base. Yeah. You know, I am. what what's gonna happen? This is a right. rarity. The Dodgers don't usually have openings. There's an opportunity here. He's thinking about this, George, from a very scouting perspective, not from a, oh, hey, wonderful. Spring training's back. Cool. It's fun. Baseball's coming. It's very scouting, very serious. Guy really thinks yeah. he knows his stuff.
0: I mean, listen, he does. And um and what I would say though is this is that. Just because a guy performs well in the spring doesn't necessarily mean it's going to catapult him in the regular season. So I, it's why I take it all with a grain of salt, over, especially when you're talking about a 162 game season, 20 games or whatever, in, 20 plus games or whatever it is in spring training. I, I you know, it just you, you got to be a little more measured. I think in that sport.
2: You, all right, look, of Greg, course, Greg. What and, is and, the? And, go ahead, George. I want to hear what Burton thinks is And I
0: think that Greg understands that part of it, but he loves the nuances of it he loves right. it and i and, you know it's cool for me but i don't love it like that i mean i, I, I just talk to me when the season starts i'm i'm ready
2: same sure Birdman, but you know the as headline, a producer what, what, what no no but what is the headline of the dodgers spring training you you were you were kind of talking to me about it today what is the headline of dodgers spring training
1: that dave roberts is basically going to give gavin lux every opportunity to be the starting second baseman there this you year? go gavin lux that's a big storyline for the Dodgers and it for Dodger fans.
0: I, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to sell it for you. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm you introducing are, but... it like it's a big thing. There
1: you go, Gavin. <laughs> <Lux. laughs> well, but Scott's sitting here telling me like I get all crazy about the Dodgers. No, this I mean is a it's big, fine. Big Look, bro. Line.
0: We Dude, all listen, have our things.
2: Everybody you know? <laughs> looks at sports differently. You know what I mean? And I think today is a great example when right. George is like feels like very passionate about the sport that he covers, you know, and and feels that like my opinion is naive, which maybe it is. And right. I feel very passionate about NFL football because right. that's the sport that I've covered for all these years. And Bergman, yeah. you just think like like you're an analyst and Well, everything. That's and all. And
0: that's why, uh, if Slee was there, I want to ask him why he dismissed us and dismissed us to Deshaun in Moreno Valley, who is a very loyal listener and caller to the station. Sleewa, it sounded like you were dismissing us there. Sleewa? Were, dis- were you dismissing
3: us? He's out of the studio, guys. He's
0: out of the studio? Mm-hmm. All right. Conveniently.
3: Well. Oh, he's Conveniently. back. He's back. He's back. He- oh, he's well, back?
0: Yep. All right. Well, you know, his show's about to start Travis and Sliwa and uh, Or no, is today Lakers talk?
5: Lakers back. talk today. I'm back.
0: All right, Lakers back. talk today.
5: Sliwa, were you dismissing
0: us to Deshaun in Moreno
5: Valley? No, no dismissing, but just the, I think there was an incredible overreaction the last week or so, <laughs> and the first thing I responded back to Deshaun was, yeah, the Lakers will be fine. They'll be fine. I and
0: mean, that, they're that, gonna, they will be fine, but if Anthony Davis is fine.
5: So listen, if if we're not in February, actually now March, then let's say we're fast forwarding two months ahead. I'd be more concerned, but I just think they still have so much time. And I, I paid no attention to that game against the Jazz. Didn't really pay much attention to that four-game losing streak, even though, you know, there are a couple games they obviously could have got. But without Schroeder, without Anthony Davis, it's just so incredibly difficult to pay attention to those games when those two pieces are missing.
0: All right, what's up on Lakers Talk tonight? All right, Mc-
5: McMenamin's coming on and uh, Mike Bresnahan, and we'll just continue to talk about the first half of the season.
0: I love Don't it. Don't overreact, Silly, well, yeah, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Go, be a, go dismiss McMinniman and Bresnahan, all right? Don't do that. All right, Slewa. good talking to you, buddy. All right, love, Lakers Sli. Talk with Sliwa is up next. Excellent job, Scott Kaplan.
2: Uh, George Sedano, you were money today. Much love to our entire team and all the 710 listeners.
0: Greg and Laura, great job. Slewa and Lakers Talk is up next. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. See ya.